forth in the work of the Lord and to know that the Lord is with us as we do, uh, both individually and collectively. And there are lessons here that we need to learn. So let's pray. Uh, I, need the, I need your prayers. I need the, the help of the Lord, and I'm sure you do too, to, uh, for the Lord to speak to your heart. So let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for this time that we can come and gather together and fellowship with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to continue, Lord, to celebrate uh, the birth of your Son with these songs of praise and worship and thanks to what you did and what all that means, your coming to earth. And Lord, now as we settle down and we open your word and we study through it just for a few minutes, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, Lord, help us to receive what you have for us and encourage our hearts. Lord, there may be those who are anxious. There may be uh, those who have a bit of fear and uh, trepidation about things to come. But Lord, uh, help us to learn from this example, the example of Joshua uh, and his new leadership. Lord, to encourage our hearts and to know that you are with us and you will be with us as you promised in this coming year. Lord, bless our time together in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin the book, and I, and I, I do, uh, I guess we did get the uh, outlines printed, did we? Did the printer start working? Good, good. So you've got an outline. Anybody that doesn't, just raise your hand, we'll get you one. We begin the book by thinking about this thought. At the very beginning of the book, we see the children of Israel and maybe even Joshua himself, uh, what they might have looked at as a severe crisis. That's Roman numeral number one. A severe crisis. Now, why would I call it a severe crisis? Well, because Moses, Moses, their beloved leader, is dead. And it says in verse one of Joshua chapter one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Now, this event may well have been looked on by Joshua and by the children of Israel as a severe crisis for, for the people because their leader of many, many years has been removed from them. And they're probably wondering, how? How is the work of God going to go on? How is it going to continue? How are we going to go forward without the wisdom of Moses? How are we going to go forward without the, the prayers of Moses? Without the leadership characteristics of Moses? Because Moses was known for all of those things, wasn't he? He was a very wise man. Moses was a prayerful man. He was a man who definitely had great leadership qualities. In fact, Deuteronomy 34 and verse 10 and following tells us this. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel." And the people might have assumed it was curtains for the, uh, for the work of God because there was nobody like Moses. And yes, Joshua was a great young man, but he was not Moses. 
No doubt the people were probably fearful and uncertain. But isn't it interesting as we learn throughout the history of the nation of Israel that whenever one leader died, the Lord always had his man for that particular time. Whenever it was time to take that man away, God would undertake for the future and provide a leader again for, for the nation. You know, sometimes in churches today, churches get kind of bent out of shape a lot when a minister uh, packs up and moves to another city, another place, or even a pastor that they've known for many, many years has been taken from them in death. Now, I'm not preparing you for anything special. I don't think Pastor Mike's, not go- I don't think Pastor Mike's going anywhere, so don't worry about that. Uh, but uh, sometimes we do. Sometimes people might assume, how can the work of God go on? How can the work of God survive? But if it's God's work, well, those four words are the key, right? The work of God. Right? And if it's God's work, it will always survive. If it's God work, God's work, it will always go forth because the work of God is bigger than any man. It's bigger than any one individual, and that's one of the things we have to learn from this portion of Scripture here. As John Wesley said, God buries His workmen, but His work goes on. God's work goes on because God's work is bigger than any one individual man. In other words, we're not to put confidence in men. You know, if the people of Israel in Moses' day put all their confidence of him, in him, when Moses was taken away from them, they would have nothing left to trust in, would they? Yeah, he was the Lord's servant. Yes, he was full of wisdom. Yes, he was a great leader. But notice what the Scriptures say about his successor, Joshua. And this is encouraging. Now, the Lord has his man for the hour. The Lord has his man for the time. And when Moses is taken away, Joshua takes up the baton. And Deuteronomy 34, verse 9 says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And so when Moses is taken away, it seems like a severe crisis for the work of God and for the children of Israel. But it really isn't, because when Moses is taken away, God has his man. God has Joshua, and that's the pattern throughout Scripture. For every servant of God that is removed, the Lord has another servant of God who can step up and and fill the gap. That's a wonderful thing, and we ought to pray that it would always be so. And the people of Israel needed to learn that although this may have seemed like a severe crisis that they were facing, they need to learn the scriptures that say, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Look at verse 1 again. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, Joshua is to be commissioned. Joshua is no longer Moses' assistant. He is the man. 
He is the one to be the leader. He is now the leader of Israel. And remember, Joshua, again, he was not Moses. And Moses was not Joshua. And you know, it's a wonderful thing in the Lord's work that he provides uh, people of all different uh, talents and all different qualities to perform his work. All kinds of a wide variety of ways that people minister. And I think sometimes we like to excuse our own lack of service uh, for God by saying, well, I'm not like somebody else. You know, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do what he does, or I can't do what she does. Well, the Lord hasn't called you to do what he or she does. The Lord has called you to do what you can do. So, there's a work for God that only you can do. And I firmly believe that God has a work for every one of us to do in this church, whatever that may be. God has a place for each and every one of us, and he has a work that his grace alone will uniquely fit us for. So be encouraged. Let's faithfully serve the Lord according to his will and according to the abilities that he's given us. So there was potentially and technically a severe crisis at the beginning of the book of Joshua. But notice that there was also, Roman numeral number two, there was also a specific command. A specific command. Look at what verse one says. We'll continue on. Verse one and following. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them to them, the children of Israel. So immediately, the time of grieving's finished, right? God says, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to go over Jordan and take possession of this land. But Lord, Joshua might have thought, but Lord, what, is it, what do you mean, go over the Jordan? How are we going to go over the Jordan? Right now, at this stage, the Jordan uh, is is overflowing its banks. It's deep, and it's swift right now. Now, there's no bridge. There's no ferry boat or multiple ferry boats that that can take us over across this river. How are we going to go over the Jordan? Moses isn't here. You know, you remember Moses at the Red Sea, all he had to do was raise his his rod, and God parted the waters of the Red Sea, and the nation of Israel walked across on dry ground. But Moses isn't here anymore. Now, that may have been on his mind. But all we see here is a specific command of God to to cross. And yes, you've had your time of mourning. You've had your time of weeping for Moses, and yes, that's fine, but the time of weeping and mourning is now over. It's time to move forward. The work of God goes on. You're to go into the promised land, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And what a tremendous command this was from the Lord. As we read on in the book, we'll find out that they were able to fulfill everything that God commanded them to do, because when the Lord tells you to do something, He makes it possible for you to do it. 
You know, sometimes the Lord tells me to do something, and I spend a lot of my time trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. And you know what? Trying to figure out, uh, sitting around trying to figure out how to do it is not an effective way to get the job done. And when the Lord tells us to do something, we don't spend time arguing with him, debating with him, questioning him. If he tells us to do it, we do it. Because we know that when he tells us to do something, he will enable us to do it. Just like when he said to the children of Israel, go forward at the Red Sea. It looked like there was no way they could do that. It was impossible. No, there were mountains on either side. There was a big sea in front of them. There was a, 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 an army, Pharaoh's army, behind them. How were they going to go forward? Well, the Lord makes a way when there seems to be no way. And it's the same in his work. It's the same in your life. The Lord commands you to go forward in a certain way, and the Lord will make it possible for you to do that. And later on, we're going to see how the Lord made it possible for his servant and for his people to move forward into the promised land. And they did inherit the land, as the Lord promised they would. But Joshua was chosen to succeed Moses, and we'll see that God promises him this. God promises him, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And we can have confidence that just as the Lord has been with his people in times past, in crisis, in trouble, in hardship, the Lord will be with us. No matter how hard the day, no matter how difficult it might seem to serve the Lord, the Lord is going to make it possible for us to go forward with him. That brings us to the third point we want to bring out from this passage. In addition to a severe crisis, which was the death of Moses, and a specific command, which was to go over uh, the Jordan into the land, there was also what we might call a special comfort. A special comfort. Look at verse 5. The Lord says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. In other words, there's going to be nobody, Joshua, nobody who's going to be able to resist you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And that causes us to think once again uh, to those words back in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. What did the Lord say to Moses? The Lord said, I will certainly be with you. Certainly, no doubt about it. Moses, you don't need to be concerned. You don't need to be worried. You're not doing this on your own. I'm going to be with you. And isn't that the promise that we have as a church today? Isn't that the promise we have as individuals today? Now, what was the great commission of our Lord Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always. Moses, certainly I will be with you. Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What a wonderful encouragement that would have been to God's servant. It's a special comfort. And you know what? We can receive that special comfort as well from the Word of God, especially when those, we think of those words at the end of verse 5, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Doesn't that remind us of the words of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6? It says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is a special comfort that all of God's people have in their service to the Lord. Joshua and the children of Israel could lean upon his word. God said, the way I was with Moses, that's the same way, in the same way, I'm going to be with you. We don't have all the time this morning to capture all the inferences where the Lord was with Moses. But you can think about the different times uh, in, in his experiences in the book of Exodus, in the, in the book of Numbers, in the book of Deuteronomy. You can read about all those times of crisis when the Lord was with Moses, when the Lord stood before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, of course, was hard-hearted and rebellious and hated the Lord and hated God's people, and he wasn't about to do what God wanted him to do. And the Lord gave Moses courage every single time he stood before Moses, uh, stood before Pharaoh. And he was able to stand there and say, this is what God says with all boldness. The Lord was with Moses. And the Lord was with Moses when he stood at the Red Sea and there was no way forward. There was no way to to the side. There was no way uh, back. And God made a way where there was no way as Moses lifted up his rod and the waters rolled back and the nation of Israel went across that sea on dry ground. Now, the Lord was with Moses when the people were murmuring and complaining that they didn't have any food, they didn't have enough water, and the Lord gave them manna from heaven. And of course, he also gave them water from a rock. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And wouldn't that have been an encouragement to Joshua, particularly as he thought about crossing the Jordan? Because in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2, the Lord said to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan and all this people, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. But Lord, wait, there's no bridge. No, there's no bridge. Lord, there's no, uh, there are no boats. You're right, there's no boats. 
There's no way to get across any other way than my way, the Lord says. But I'm going to make it possible for you to get across. And as we read in the chapters that follow, particularly chapter 3 of Joshua, verse 17, it says, Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. The Lord made a way. And that was a mighty miracle that the Lord performed just as at the Red Sea when the water was rolled back and the people went across, again, that sea on dry ground. The same is true about the crossing of the Jordan. They all passed over on dry ground. What a miracle. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I often read in my church history books about great men of God and the ministries that they had. And at times you would think, uh, you would look at their ministries and the things that happened under their preaching, number of people who responded and were saved. And, uh, and, and sometimes I would be envious. You know, Lord, why doesn't that happen so much today? Why don't we have those types of results? Well, I don't have the answer to that. But I do know this, God hasn't changed, right? Things have changed. We may have changed. The church may have changed, but God hasn't changed. He is still able to do great and mighty things. And I do know this too, the God that John Knox, the reformer, prayed to is the God that we pray to as well. The God that Jonathan Edwards, the great uh, revivalist preacher in America, prayed to is the same God that we pray to. The God that C.H. Spurgeon prayed to and uh, who used him so mightily in preaching is the same God that we pray to. And I could name many great servants of God throughout history. The God who said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He is the God who says the same thing to us in his word. And I've quoted you already, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the Lord's promise to us. It's a special comfort that we can have as we serve the Lord day by day. The Lord is with us. There may be times I don't feel like he's with me. There may be times I'm not aware of God's presence. And I'm like Job who says, you know what? I I go forward and I can't find him. I go backward and I can't find him. I go this way and I go that way. And and I don't see him. I don't sense his presence. I don't have a consciousness of God's presence. But he also says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. The Lord is with me. And I can be encouraged. And you can be encouraged. There's one other thing before we finish. As well as a severe crisis and a specific command and a special comfort There is, Roman numeral number four, a significant consideration. A significant consideration in this passage. 
and it's found in verses 3 and 4. Excuse me. And verse 3, starting with verse 3, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. And the Lord said, every place that the sole of your your foot rests upon, treads upon, I'm going to give to you. Everything. And you notice he doesn't say, I will give to you. What does he say? I have given it to you. It's already yours. You just have to go and possess it. And isn't it great to think that there are many things that we have in Christ that we are already possessors of? But we just have to enter into those possessions. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once wrote, What a tragedy it is that people who were meant to live as princes are living as paupers. That those who were meant to be receiving the unsearchable riches of Christ should be living in penury. Now, there is an inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ that we have that we need to possess. It's already been purchased for us by the blood of the Lamb. We need to possess it. In Israel's case, he literally did give it to them. He gave them the place that every place that the, the foot of their the sole of their foot tread upon. Because he promised it to them. Now I'm not saying that you need to walk around Blacktown and say, you know, I claim this because the Lord has given it to me. No, he literally did give it to uh, to uh, Joshua. Joshua could not presumptuously really and truly walk around the, the land of Canaan and say, this is ours because God has given it to us. I don't try that. Now, for us, there are spiritual applications to that, though. Someone said once, Joshua was assured that God would give them every, every inch of the land So it was easy to take ground when God has already given it to us. I like that. It is easy to take ground when we know that God has already given it to us. You think about the promises of God. And there are hundreds and hundreds of promises that God has given us in His Word, in the Scriptures. And all of those promises you can take to the bank. They're as good as fulfilled. We could take ground when the Lord promises to give it to us. And we can take ground when the, promise, uh, the Lord has promised to be with us. And the Lord did promise to be with Joshua. And He promises to be with us as we minister for Him. Now the promises of God are not just there for us to sit back and to say, well, if the Lord's given it to, uh, to me, I don't have to do anything about it. You know, we can just rock back and forth and, and say, well, if this is, this is going to happen, God has promised it, it's going to happen whether, uh, whether I do anything or not. Not at all. Right? The promises of God are there so that we might have our faith sustained and nourished and strengthened so that we might get out there 
and get the job done and do what he wants us to do. Do what he's called us to do. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. May the Lord give us faith in this coming year. May the Lord give us faith to be able to stand on his promises. And in that sense, to place uh, the sole of our foot on it. To stand upon the promises and to plead them before the Lord. Lord, this is what your word has said. I'm going to trust that and I'm going to go forward. You've said that if I, if I will not let my, your word depart from me, that you'll give me good success. And so, Lord, I'm going to study your word. I'm going to live by your word. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to obey it based on your promise. Lord, you've promised you're going to save souls, so I'm going to be praying for that, and I'm going to do my best to be a good witness to those around me because you've promised to save them. There are many things like that that we can bring before the Lord, knowing that according to His promises, He will fulfill them. They're as good as done. He'll grant them to us. So may the Lord nourish and sustain us and sustain our faith, even as He did Joshua. He did it through His Word. He did it through His promises. You know, this book is a book of promises. Promises given to us. That's from the pages of Scripture that we get them. It's from what God has told us in His Word that we get our faith strengthened and nourished and sustained. And we gain the courage to go out there and face the unknown and do what the Lord has called us to do. So may the Lord help us. Help us to pray and to serve and to obey on the basis of His promises, the promises in His Word. Let's pray. Lord, thank You again for Your Word. Thank You for the examples You give of men of faith. Thank You for Your promises to be with them. Lord, You've made the same promises to us. Lord, You've called us to a ministry. You've called us to service to You. And Lord, you, in Your calling, You will give us the means to do it. You will provide a way to get your work done. Lord, help us simply to be obedient. Lord, work in and through us, Lord, so that we might receive the blessing. Help us to be obedient. Help us to step out and have confidence in you and your promises, Particularly the promise, Lord, that you will be with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, be with us as we step out and serve you in this coming year, in the weeks, the months to come. In Jesus' name, amen. of encouragement to know that we can trust God for whatever comes in this new year, that we can move forward boldly. Well, we're going to